All right, let's jump into our message this morning. We're in our greater series. Uh, if everything goes the way, I'm kind of planning on it. Um, we'll have a, a, this week, obviously, and then the following week, and then we'll be moving into a new series as we kind of get into February. But I've really enjoyed speaking on this series, and, and this is one week that I've been kind of looking forward to. Um, I'm excited about sharing what I believe God placed on my heart. Um, and so we're going to be in, obviously, our main text, the verse that we've been kind of looking at is kind of our series text is in John 14, 12 through 14. So let's read that again. It says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus is speaking here. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And then Jesus gives us the answer. Why? How is that possible? He says, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I love the promises that we have in this. I love the encouragement. I love the things that, that God is communicating to us through Jesus in this scripture. Because what Jesus is saying is, look, look, all the things that I did, all the things that I'm going to do, uh, as when he spoke this, he said, listen, as a believer in me, you're going to do greater things than that. You know, I, I, I don't want to sound like one of those cheesy motivational posters that were up in my high school, uh, you know, classrooms. But, but there, is, there is greatness in you. There really is. Like, we tend to kind of look down on ourselves. Well, I can't, or, and I, I won't be able to, or I can't do something great for God. Listen, we have a promise here that if we believe in Him, and we will decide to make decisions that will allow things to take place in our lives, that we will do greater things than even Jesus did, because Jesus is going to be interceding for you and for me. I mean, listen, I've said this before. I hope you pray for me. I, ho I hope my family prays for me. I hope there are people online that are praying for me. But there is an encouragement that, can, that is really amazing to know that Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for you. And because of that, we can trust God and know that God is going to do some great things uh, in our lives and use us to do those things. So here's the thing. You need to understand that. I want you to understand that because of what Jesus has done, because of what he is doing now, you are going to be able to be used to do some amazing things. And so God begins to mold and God begins to shape. And as we kind of jump into the message, I want you to understand this. And, and I wouldn't say that this is one of the, the only thing I want you to get this morning, but this is a big one. Because sometimes we, we, we have questions in our lives that really revolve around this statement. When we understand it, things can become a little bit more clearly. It's in your notes. So this is it. God does great things in you so he can do great things through you. If you've heard me at all, a lot of times I'll say things like that, 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 that God is working in us and through us. And there's, there's an important understanding in that. God doesn't look at you and me and say, listen, you're going to do great things and then just take his hands off of us and say, good luck with that. He is forming us. He's making things take place in our lives. And he wants to do these great things in you so that you can then take those great things and be used by God to do great things and help him to accomplish the goals and the missions that he has for each and every one of you. You see, one of the things we need to understand about God is when God looks at you, he has a plan. And his plan for you is really good. In fact, if you look at John 14, I would say his plan for you is great. It's greater things than you could even imagine. Sometimes I want to do, sometimes I think one of the things that we ought to do as a follower of Jesus is think, God, what do you want me to do? And like almost come to that kind of realization and then realize whatever you've dreamed up, God's wanting to do greater things than that. You see, that's the greatness of our God. That is the great things that God wants to do. He wants to take the things that you think you can do on your own or even think you can do with his help and then say, I'm going to bump it up to, and some of you will get this reference, to 11. Not just where you think you can be, but I want to do great things in you so you can do great things. And so sometimes God will do things in us to bring that out. But, you know, what we're going to be talking about this morning is going to be a little more specific than that. We're going to talk about something that I feel like is one of these things that as the church, we kind of seem to drop the ball on a little bit. Now, I think some people do this really, really well, and some people do this really, really poorly. But statistically, as a church, especially a church in America, we are not good at this. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that's kind of one of those tenets of the faith 
that we need to get better at. So no matter where you're at, maybe, maybe you're doing really, really well, I believe we can do a little bit better. Maybe we, we realize maybe we're not doing so well, I believe God can help us to do those great things. Before we jump into Ephesians, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that you have great plans for all of us, that because of you, not because of us, but because of you, there is greatness in us because you're great. And so, Father, I pray that as we look at these things, that, Father, you would just ignite a passion in us in ways that we never thought possible. We need you, and we know you'll help us. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we get into this, I want to take some of us back. Now, for some of us, maybe this is something that hasn't happened yet. Maybe for some of us, it happened yesterday. Maybe it happened a week ago. Maybe it happened 50 years ago. But I want to take you back to a place where every single human being has been or is currently in their life. And it's found in Ephesians 5.8. Let's look at it together. It says, for once you were full of darkness... Now, interesting here, this, the letter that Paul writes, he doesn't say you were kind of dark. He doesn't say you were sort of dark. He didn't say you were kind of medium side. He said you were full of darkness. When you think of your life, there is a time, now maybe it was when you were young, and maybe it's when, you know, like I said, more recently, but you were full of darkness. When we're without God, we're, we're, we're in that full darkness, and, and it's hard to understand and, and see things because it's so dark. But listen to what he says. He says, but now you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of light. So here we're getting this contrast, this, this full darkness, and then this concept of full light. And as we have accepted Jesus, now we have this light of the Lord, and so now we're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to live as people that have light. You see, one of the greatest things that God ever did in you to help work through you is your salvation, is when you came to know him, when you stopped being full of darkness and instead became full of light. And when that took place, when those things take place, we see in Ephesians again, Paul continues basically in 10, 2.10, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We have been been taken by God, created anew, so that we can do those things. It's simple. God has done something great in you so that he he can be used to do great things through you. But here's the thing. When you think about a masterpiece, okay, I, I was... I was probably the worst art student ever, okay? Like, my son will come home from art and actually, like, as an eight-year-old, bring home a picture that I can decipher, and it's not hard. If I brought home an art piece at the age I am now, you would probably not be able to tell what it is. I mean, you ever seen that where, you know, like, somebody makes the pottery, you know, and they come in and they go, oh, thank you, it's a vase, or, you know, they go, no, it's this, or, yeah. That was me, okay, you know, except, except it was just, you know, I didn't even know what it was, you know. But, but if, if you created a masterpiece, whatever that might be, whatever medium that is, you, you don't take the masterpiece and go, I have created a masterpiece, and then put it in the closet. What do you do with masterpieces? You put it on display. You say, look here, look at what has been created. You see, God doesn't just call you a masterpiece and then go, listen, I want my masterpiece in this person's life or in that person's life. I want you to go and hide it. God wants to put you on display. And I know that for some of you, it's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. But listen, listen, the job of the masterpiece is to reflect the brilliance of the artist. You get that? A lot of times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I'm the masterpiece. I have to be the masterpiece. Look at me. I'm the masterpiece. No, no, no. It's not about the the, the piece of work. That's just on a piece of canvas or carved out of marble. We, we, We remember the creator of it. And some of you need to take that step back and go, listen, I am the masterpiece, but my job is to reflect the creativity, the love, the mercy, the grace of my creator. 
But problematically, a lot of us, what we tend to do is we forget that we're a masterpiece or we realize it and we think that God wants us to go and hide and not show the world or show our family or show our friends the masterpiece that has taken place. And how does God show us that we're his masterpiece? Simple, from darkness to light. He's created anew in us because of what Jesus has done. And he did it so that the good things he planned for us can take place. He can take place. I told you there was greatness in you. I told you that you had some amazing had great plans for you. We sometimes forget that, and sometimes we need to remember that anew. And one of the ways that I can remember things anew is to kind of go back to when I was small and remember the things I learned then, and many of you know this passage of Scripture, but I want it to again come back to our memory, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This is what it says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Remember the song, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now listen to verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you. No, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone will praise the artist. Everyone will praise that individual who created you. But sometimes we do tend to kind of put the light under the basket. Sometimes we don't think that we can be used by God in that way. So we tend to pull back. We tend to say it's okay to put the masterpiece uh, uh, and not put it on display when God says, no, no, your light needs to shine. I don't know about you, but I think we've all probably have a story like this. But every, every time we, we go back to, to Kansas City where my parents live, we, we take the, the easiest route, which is basically we get on I-70 and then go to sleep. I mean, because I-70 is just straight and long and just boring, and, and that's basically what happens. But I don't know if you're this person, but this is me. This is how I handle this. Um, usually I think the speed limit is about 75 on that road. And so I'm the guy that basically he goes about 80, puts it on cruise control, and then that's where it stays, you know? And I just kind of go and that's that's it. Cause I'm thinking, I don't think I'll get pulled over for five over and things like that. So I haven't yet, thank the Lord. So I put it on 80 and off I go. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have seen many, many police officers on I-70 uh, waiting to find certain individuals that will help pay their retirement, I think. I don't know how that works, but you know what I mean. And so they're sitting there. Well, I know this. I have gone down this road before many times. And for some reason, I've kind of begun to remember certain places that typically will have a, a highway patrolman waiting there. And typically he's sitting there with a little, uh, little you, know, th- you know, in my world, I'm sorry, but this is how I see it. You know, basically a, a little device to see how fast a pitcher throws. Um, but he's using it to clock cars. And so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of going on my way and I'm just happy, you know, everything's good. Going my 80, everything's fine. And it, it, it always happens. All of a sudden, I'll kind of look in the rearview mirror, and here comes somebody that, that basically, I don't know if their hair's on fire, I don't know if there is a fire, but you know what I mean, you know? And I'm going 80, and they'll go past me like I'm standing still. And I'll sit there, and I'll go, oh. And I'll go, oh, no, I know what's coming, you know? I, literally, when we went home for Christmas, uh, I went back to Kansas City for Christmas this year. Um, there was a car, and it was—it was—I just remember this because it was a—it was a Texas license plate in a blue. Ex- that, don't, don't laugh at Texas. That's not what I meant by it. I'm just telling you, I knew what car it was, and it was an Explorer, blue Explorer. I mean, it just went past me like I was standing still, and I went, "Oh, she does not know where she is at." I began to think that she doesn't know what I know. She doesn't know that not very far down this road, there is a, uh, a roadblock coming. And I remember thinking about that going, you know, I, I, you know I, and I, all these thoughts began to come to my head, okay, at that moment. You know, the, I, I had some really, really good thoughts and some really, really bad thoughts, okay? I was, the good thoughts were like, oh boy, I wish, I wish there was a way I could warn her. 
I wish there was like, you know, I mean, maybe I could flash my lights, but then she might not know what's going on. Or maybe, you know, it's like, I've always thought like, it'd be great to have like signs, you know, like, look out, you know. But she went past me so fast, she couldn't have read it, you know. But, you know, I was like, I, I should warn her. So that was one of my thoughts. It's like, how could I, how could I stop her? How could I warn her that, that she's on a road that's really kind of lead, and this is going to sound weird, but a little bit to destruction, maybe destruction of her finances or, or something like that. But I, I like, no, I couldn't. And then I started thinking other thoughts. I'm like, I thought this way. Maybe you've thought this. Well, you know what? If she's going to drive like that, she deserves to get a ticket. You know, get a little judgmental. You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if something's wrong, you know. But I mean, I get a little, well, she, she deserves, if she gets a ticket for driving that fast, that's what she deserves. Or sometimes, I don't know, it's kind of in between. I'll think this, maybe I should speed up because she's going to get the ticket and I won't, you know. Like, you know, the police officer will pull her over and I'll go by like, you know, have a good one, you know. And what's so funny is, is as I began to think about those things as we were traveling back to Kansas City, and I promise you, not 10 minutes later, I, I come over a hill, and there to the right is a nice blue Ford Explorer with Texas license plates stopped. And I drove by, and I remember kind of thinking about that. Like, maybe I should have warned her. You know, and I, it, you begin to make excuses you get to make the justifications of maybe why you didn't do more, you couldn't do more. Funny story about that. Like I passed and, and I was like, well, that's, you know, that's, that's too bad. You know, I, I don't want anybody to get a ticket, you know, but, you know, I'm, off we go. And, and literally in 30 minutes time, she passed me again. And within 10 minutes, she got pulled over again. I didn't feel so sorry for her that time. I'm just going to be honest with you, you know. But still... On, on this road that this individual was going on, I knew something she didn't know. Obviously, she didn't know. She may have thought, listen, I, this is safe. I don't have to worry. Uh, it, was, it was a certain day. I think we traveled uh, the day after Christmas. Maybe, maybe, all, uh, maybe she all the police officers were on vacation. I don't know. But in spiritually speaking, I found that in my own life, and I found that in most of our lives, can we just be honest for a second? We're on a road, and there are people on this road with us, and they're headed for destruction. Why? Not because we're brilliant or just know it all, because we know what God's Word says. And how many of us refuse to share that information? The information that says, you know, listen, there's danger ahead. Listen, God has a plan for you, and this plan isn't what you're going on. We'll remain silent. We'll justify the excuses of not sharing or not saying or, or whatever. And when we do that, what we're doing in some ways is we're saying, you know what? I don't care if you get a ticket. I don't care if you, if you think of it this way. I don't care if you cause an accident. I don't care if, if damage or, or destruction takes place because of what you're doing. Instead, we justify why we can't share the light that God has placed in you and me. And listen, the reason why I specifically are using the idea of salvation is because I don't want anybody to sit back and go, well, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I'm a believer. But you know what? I'm not, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know the Bible well enough. Or I don't know this well enough. Or I, I don't speak well enough. Or I say the wrong thing sometimes. Listen, we need to understand that Jesus spoke the greater things over every one of us that was a believer you have a light to share and we have to understand it it's in your notes listen get this we have a responsibility to share what God has done for us with others listen and this is big you got to get this because I've heard this over and over again in people's uh, when they talk to me your story is too good to keep to yourself. You know what? The church has done a really poor job, and let's just be honest. Can I be honest with you? We, we tend, and listen, we, we, this is one of those things that sounds good that we need to kind of just tweak, okay? We, we, we tend to take the testimony of, of the great situation, okay? And let me give you an idea. We, and listen, hear me here. I am not talking down at this, okay? We just need to get a different perspective slightly, OK? 
okay? If someone has been, let's say, uh, has a severe addiction or, or they're dealing with something major that we consider major and God rescues them and God brings them freedom. Now, first of all, we should celebrate that, right? That is a great thing. But listen, when was the last time you heard a testimony like this? Well, actually, I was born in the church uh, and basically grew up in the church and I never really strayed. Uh, I'm just kind of growing with Jesus and doing the very best I can. Where do, why don't we hear that testimony? I'll tell you why. It doesn't seem great. But you know what great is? Great is going from full darkness to light. You have a story. It doesn't matter if you don't have a story that you think is good enough. The fact that God brought you from death to life is an amazing story that people need to hear. And again, I'm not trying to belittle those stories that we see the addictions or, or, or the marriages that are brought back together praise god that is amazing but listen if your story is simply i followed jesus when i was young and haven't strayed that is an amazing story that's a story of god's keeping power which is just amazing and sometimes people need to hear that too so no matter what your story is no matter what god has done your story is too good to keep to yourself. Your story is too good to keep to yourself. And what we tend to do is in this idea, whether it be the speed trap or just the fact that we don't think our story is good, we tend to make excuses to keep us from doing and fulfilling the responsibility that God has given us. And instead, we need a little bit of a change. And instead, we need to start doing whatever it takes to reach the one. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, this idea of the one, and I told you we're going to expound a little bit on it. Well, today's the week. And so instead of making excuses, we need to start doing whatever it takes to take and make that happen. We're going to look at a story that a lot of you know in Luke. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but let me give you an idea of the context of what's happening in Luke 5. Jesus is very early on in his ministry, and he begins to teach. He teaches basically in a home in this particular setting. And there are people all around. There's actually some teachers of the law, and then there's just people that are normally there uh, that hear Jesus' teaching, and they're crowded into this very small area and this very small room. Okay, now we're going to pick it up in Luke uh, 5, or 5, 18 through 20. And this is what it says. It says, some men came carrying a paralegic, a paralegic, I can't say that word. You know what I'm saying. Someone paralyzed on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Okay, so we, we, we've seen this story or this. So they, they have this individual who can't walk and they're bringing him to Jesus. But they get there to the house and they can't get in. Everybody's crowded them out. They can't get there. 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, I know we're going to get to verse 20, uh, Monica, but hold on one second. We'll get there in just a second. So to kind of give you the picture, we've seen this before, but just to kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at here. A lot of times in these buildings that this was uh, during the time is they would have kind of outdoor stairs. And so basically what we figured happened, and a lot of these roofs were kind of thatch or, or things of that nature. So you could actually get to them. You could actually pull them apart, the tiles and the thatch and things like that to get in there. But basically Jesus is at home. This is not the home of the individuals that, that is paralyzed. It is not the home of the individuals that are carrying the man that is paralyzed. And so they get there and they go, oh my goodness. We want this guy to see Jesus. We believe Jesus is going to do some great things in our friend's life. But they get there and they go, oh, it's too crowded. Now, can I be honest with you? How many of us in that situation would have said, you know what? Okay, well, I guess it's not the day. You know, or we'll spiritualize it. Well, I guess this is not the leading of the Lord right now to do this. And they don't do that. They basically become vandals. Okay, let's look at what this says. They basically go and destroy private property now i'm not saying as a christian today that basically to will to witness to the world and to bring people to jesus we need to go you know destroy things but that's what they did they said you know what it doesn't matter that there's a crowd it doesn't matter that there's not a hard an easy way to get to jesus we're going to get our friend to jesus so they climb up there. Now listen, there's a lot of faith in that because I got a feeling. Listen, I don't know if you've moved anywhere with stairs. 
it's a lot easier and safer going up the stairs with something than going down, okay? Especially if you're carrying somebody. So they carry the guy up the stairs, they get him to the roof, and then they begin to destroy. I, I, I've always wanted to, I've always wondered this. The person that owned the house, where were they? Were they like, oh, that's completely cool? You know, were they like really spiritual? You know, oh, of course, you just want to get this person to Jesus. Please destroy my roof. That's fine. With a halo. I mean, I, I got, come on. If I came over to your, your house today and I started destroying your roof, none of you would go, oh, well, that's completely cool. No worries. The pastor, the pastor you, know, you know, you go to your wife, you know, what's happening? Oh, the pastor's just on the roof dismantling it. This is what happens. They begin to, t- so I got a feeling, they're, hey, stop it. They don't care. You got to st- stop. Nope. They keep pulling it away. They keep tearing it away. And remember, this is like thatch, and these, this is not solid. So I, can, I just always imagine this. And, and we watch The Chosen. If you haven't watched that yet, or you're not in a community group, get into one. But, but they show this scene, and, and Jesus is there teaching, and stuff starts to fall on Jesus' head. And he's like looking up, and all of a sudden there's a hole. You know? Can you imagine that? You, you, you pull, and you're the guy that pulls the last, and there's, there's the son of man, and you've just committed a crime, you know? They pull it apart. They lower him right in front of Jesus. Now listen, this is big. Look at verse 20. Go ahead, Monica, you can put that back up there. When Jesus saw their faith. Now whose faith is this talking about? Okay? A lot of times we, we wonder, but I went and I began to look, and I'm not going to get into the details and the minutia of it, but I went and looked back at the original Greek, and what we believe, the focus here or the emphasis is not on the man that's paralyzed. Jesus here is speaking to the faith of, their, of his friends, their faith. Because they say, if Jesus was speaking to the man that was paralyzed, he would have said his faith. So he sees their faith, the faith of the friends. And he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to stop and think about what just took place. The paralyzed man said nothing. He didn't ask for anything. He didn't ask for healing. He didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven. He simply was carried to Jesus by his friends. And because of his friend's faith, Jesus forgives the man's sins. Now, there's other things, obviously, later on, and you know the story, he doesn't just forgive his sins, but then he actually heals the man and says, you know, take your bed and go home, and and he does heal him physically. But hear me here. Understand the story and understand what we need to get out of it this morning. There are people in your life that need your faith. Can, can I help you with something? Can we all do something? I think we would all do really well if we could understand this, um, this, this, this comment. Will you do me a favor? I, and I need to do it too. Can we stop saying no for people? You get what I mean by that? We tend to say no for people. We know maybe God's asking us to be a light to them or or, or invite them to church or to invite them to pray or whatever it might be. There's there's tons of ways or tons of things. And instead we say, oh, you know, they wouldn't want that. They wouldn't come. Can can we do so? I really believe that, that a revival in this country could really begin to break out if people just stopped saying no for people and let them decide. Because I believe we have never seen a time where the harvest is more ripe. I don't think there has ever been a time where there has been more people looking for the light that are in the darkness than right now. But you know what? Scripture tells us this. How will they know unless we tell them? How will we know if we aren't willing to be that light? How will we know if we're not willing to basically say, listen, man, I'm putting you on my back and I'm getting you to Jesus. I don't care what gets in my way. I don't care there's a crowd. I don't care if I have to tear up a roof to get you there. But I am going to get you to Jesus. But instead, we live a life that basically says, you know, maybe someone else will do it. God has done great things in you so you can
can be used to do those great things. And so I have a simple question as we kind of wrap this up and move on to kind of some application. It's a simple question, but everybody needs to answer this question. Who in your life knows you but doesn't know Jesus? Who in your, it's like, because some people go, like, well, who, who am I, who's my one? Or, or who, who, how, how's this? Who in your life knows you but doesn't know Jesus? Start there. You know, a lot of times we, we, we think, oh, we need, to, we need to stand on the corner and, and, and wear a billboard and shout at people. No, 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 no. Who knows you that doesn't know Jesus? And I, and I always invite people, listen, start in your home. Start in your, 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 your friends. You know, start, start there sometimes. And listen, please understand, I'm using this concept of the one as, a, as an understanding and to help you kind of get started. But listen, we, we can have lots of ones, if that makes sense. But who knows you that doesn't know Jesus? Because I believe one of the great things that God wants to do in you is to help be a light to them. Help carry them to Jesus. So let's look at some application. Let's, let's give you some, some tools that I believe. And listen, there's lots of them. We're just going to do three that I think are important for us right now. So let's look at three things you can do to reach your one. Okay, three things that you can do to reach your one. And I'm going to be interested, it's going to be interesting here. It's going to be a little different than maybe what you're expecting. Okay? And so we'll, we'll kind of give a fourth kind of, but let's start here. Okay? So three things. Number one, number one, pray for your one. Pray for your one. Okay? Please. Call them out in prayer. Look at James 5.16. I love this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Why? Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Why do we spend 21 days of prayer and fasting? Why do we harp and say, you know, listen, we need to be in prayer every day? It's simple, because your prayers are powerful, and they often bring great results. They produce great fruit. Be praying for them. Call them out by name. And listen, we talked about this before. Be specific in your prayers. What do you want God to do? Listen, I think sometimes we go, oh God, I just pray for Joey right now and that you just be with him and, and, and help him and, and amen. No, 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 no. What are you praying for for Joey? Father, I pray for Joey right now. I pray that you would reveal yourself to him, that he would know that he needs you. Father, I pray that you would give me opportunity to do that and to be that friend that carries him to you. That God, that whether it's me or someone else, that he will accept you and know you and grow in you. And Father, I pray that you'd use me to do that. But God, I submit myself to your plan and to your will because whether it's me that leads him or somebody else, that's a great thing you want to do in him. So use me to be a part of that. Pray, pray, lift them up, lift them up. How do you pray? It's sometimes I understand that it can be hard, but listen, I want to give you a prayer that Jesus prayed for us that now we in turn can pray ourselves over our one. Look at John 17. In John 17, verses 25 and 26, listen to what Jesus is praying and know that we can pray the same prayer because now we follow Jesus. So we can pray this prayer over our one. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them them so okay that's what 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 am i saying what 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 is jesus really praying here it's real simple jesus is praying and this is what we can pray god i know you i know you i know your love your grace your mercy your forgiveness i know that use me to help someone else know that help me to say help me to take the love that you've given me and help it to be shown to someone else so that they can experience that love, that grace, that mercy. Be in prayer for your one. You know, I, we were, I was talking with um, 
uh, Emily's mom and dad just last night. We were talking. They were here to visit, and 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 we were talking. And and Mike, Emily's dad, made a comment about. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, where you'll just be out about about your day. You know, you're kind of doing your thing, and and things are going. And all of a sudden, somebody will come to your mind, and it may be like somebody you haven't talked to or seen in a long, long time. And he made the comment. And I totally agree with him. Like when that happens, will you do me a favor? Will you just pray for them? Because I believe God places people in our minds that need our prayers right then. Like if you're going about your day and all of a sudden out of nowhere you think about me, because you shouldn't be thinking about me, you know. Will you stop and just say, God, I don't know what Aaron needs right now, but he needs something. And so God, will you just meet that need? Will you help him? Will you be real to him? Listen, take that as an opportunity as well. But be praying in those ways. Pray for your one. Number two, number two, pay for your one. Pay for your one, okay? You need to understand something, okay? And maybe, and maybe you've been here a long time, but listen, somebody paid a price for you to be here this morning. Somebody paid a price and, and basically was willing to do that so you were not sitting on the floor this morning. Someone was willing to pay a price so that we have heat in the building this morning. You get what I'm saying here? There is a price sometimes, and a lot of times, honestly, that has to be paid for your one. We see this over and over again in Scripture. And I'm going to look here what God did for us, and then we'll kind of bring it to what, how that really applies to us. Look at Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Our salvation... Our light from, from darkness into light cost God something. There was a price that had to be paid. Romans 8.32, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? What do I mean by this? What does this mean for us today? Listen, it means that to reach your one, it may cost you some time. It's going to cost you possibly some treasure, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. Be willing to pay the price. You say, "Well, I need to talk to them. Take them out to lunch. Pay for the lunch. Take them out to coffee. Pay for the coffee. When they're going through something, be there for them. Be willing to listen with your time." And listen, it's not always convenient. I get that. It wouldn't cost something if it was always convenient. But be willing to pay the price. Be willing to do what God's asked you to do. Because listen, they are worth it. We know this because God was willing to give his own son for all of us including that individual. A lot of times, I don't know if you've ever done this, I, I, you know, and I ride and things like that on my bike. And one of the things I've noticed recently, for some reason, because I usually ride on a certain area, and I've ridden past these signs, and they're, they're laminated, they're very nice, and all these sort of things. And you know what it says on it? Lost dog. Lost dog. There's a picture of it, and it's very, I remember it because basically there's a picture of the dog, a real cute looking dog. They've been up for several months, so I've seen them for a while. And it says on the bottom, don't chase the dog. And I've always thought 45 times whenever I pass that, then how do you catch the dog? How, do you, how are we going to get this dog back to, you know, their owners and things like that? And, and here's what it says, and it says, it says, reward reward you ever, you ever seen those signs you know and, and listen i'm a horrible terrible person i i've gone past those signs many many times and now i'm starting to go you know listen i think your dog is gone you know <laughs> i mean i'm hoping maybe that maybe they found him they just didn't take the signs down or something you know but but you go by and reward and i always think i wonder what the dog is worth to them like i wonder like, maybe I should, you know, for a side business, I should go find dogs, you know, and, and take them to their owners because there's a very lucrative business. I don't know. I mean, they may be, wow, thank you. Here's $5. I, here's 500 I have no idea. But I want you to think about something. What if your child went missing? What if your spouse went missing? And you decided that you needed to put out posters. Lost child. What reward 
would you be willing to give? Because I'll tell you right now, and I don't have to talk to Emily, I know. If Easton ever got lost and I made a sign, under reward, you know what it say? Everything I own. There is nothing that I wouldn't give to have him found. Everything. Take the car, you take the house, you take the clothes off my back. Just, I want my boy safe. I want him home. Do you realize that God has some missing people posters? And you know what he said it's worth? He said it's everything. I'll give everything. His kids are lost too. Are we willing to pay the price to help them come home? Is a cup of coffee in an afternoon worth the price of a soul? Listen, I know sometimes the church can get wrapped up in giving and things like that. And, and I've always said, listen, we don't have to give. We get to give. And there is nothing better to invest in than souls. And when we give, that can take place. I'm not saying it can't take place without the giving, but you get what I mean here. It's an amazing opportunity to give. So listen, you got to pray for your one, you got to pay for your one. And the last one, you got to persevere for your one. Okay? You got you to press severe for your one. Look at 2 Peter 3 9. Listen, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does that mean? It's real simple. God was patient with you, God persevered for you to come to him. And sometimes I know it's hard. It's, you get tired. You get tired of maybe hearing the no. You get tired. Of, but listen, we just, we just keep trying. We just keep persevering. We just keep working because God didn't give up on you. Let me ask you this. How many of you are here today online or here because someone else didn't give up on you? Someone else God used because they said, you know what, I'm not giving up. You know, no one is too far away from God's reach. But sometimes it, it, takes some, it takes some time. We don't give up. We continue going on. And we finish with Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. And listen, I get it. Sometimes... You know, you, you get kind of rejected over and over again. You get, you get made fun of over and over again. You, you, you look at people and they just keep seem to make choices that just seem to be the wrong one over and over again. But listen, don't give up on them. Don't give up on your one. That one that knows you but doesn't know Jesus. Listen, I believe one of the greatest things we can do as a follower of Jesus is make sure that people are going with us to heaven when we're gone. And listen, one of the last things that Jesus said to us was to do that. Go and make disciples. Go tell people about me. Go be that light. And listen, I know, I, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I, Aaron, I don't know what to say. You know the scripture tells us that God will put the words in our mouth? And sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just have to be there. But listen, I believe that one of the things that God is wanting us to focus in on throughout this 21 days, seven days if that's necessary, and one of the things that I believe God is asking us to do in, in what I believe is, is a late hour of all this is to start being a light again. Is to start to say, you know what? I'm going to pray for my one. I'm going to pay for my one. I'm going I'm to keep going. I'm not going to give up on my one. And listen, notice I didn't say, okay, well, you need to say this and you need to say that. And here's the Romans road. And I didn't. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we'll pray and pay and persevere for our one, 
that God will give you divine opportunities and divine appointments to lead people to Jesus, to give people the opportunity to know Him. I really do. We just got to take it. We got to use it. We got to be that light. So can we do this as we kind of bring this to a close? I, I just, I first want to do this. This is very important. But maybe there's somebody here or somebody online and you're just saying, you know what? This is all great, but I'm full of darkness. I'm still full of darkness, Aaron. And so all these things is like, that's not applying to me because, because I don't believe. God's not going to do great things in me because I don't believe yet. Well, guess what? That can change this morning. You can accept him and believe and allow his plan and that great thing that he wants to do in you to then begin to work through you. And so I'm not going to miss an opportunity to say to those maybe here or online, if, if that's you, you can accept Jesus today. The Bible tells us that if we will confess, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus was the Lord, we will be saved. And so if that's you and you're just feeling like, you know what, it's time. It's time to leave the darkness and experience the light. It's, it's time to let the old go and, and embrace the new life that God has for me. If that's you, all you need to do is just kind of speak those things out. Say a prayer that basically goes like, Father, I love you. Father, thank you so much for never giving up on me and always loving me. And Jesus, I know that you were God's son. I believe that you came and you died for my sins, my mess ups. And because of that, because of that sacrifice, I can now be made new. So Jesus, if I never have, or maybe I have a long time ago and it's time to do maybe a, a renewing, Father, I, I, Jesus, I accept you. I believe that you were God's son. I believe that you died on the cross for me and rose on the third day. I believe that you are Lord and Savior. I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth. And when I do that, your word promises me that I will be saved. I'll go from that full darkness to that full light. And so Jesus, thank you for never giving up on me. But maybe for the rest of us that we have accepted Jesus, we have been lacking in this area. We have been saying no for people or, or we have been quiet or we've, we forgot that we're a masterpiece and instead of being put on display by God, we've, we've said, no, God, I'd rather kind of hide in the closet. I'd rather not be seen. I'd rather put the light over a basket. And Father, I believe and I really truly know that that needs to change in all of our lives. We need to be willing to go after the one. We need to be willing to, that you would give us that one. That, Father, even right now, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to speak and put people in our minds and names in our minds that you would say, that's your one. That's the one that knows you that doesn't know me, that I want you to be a light to. And that, Father, that each and every one of us, before we left this building this morning or turned off the computer, that we would know, that's my one. We could call him out by name, not just Oh, just, oh, well, God saved the world. No, that we would have our one. And that in that we would pray, we would pay, we wouldn't give up. We would be open to allowing you to move in us and through us to make a difference in their life. It's not our job to get them to say a prayer or to say something. Our job is simply to be a light. Our job is to simply to be on display and to live a life of light and to show them what it is to have a relationship with you. And Father, we all need help in that, to do that better. But God, first, let us have our one. And then, Father, uh, anoint us and equip us to begin the process, if we have it yet, to bring that one to you. We love you and we thank you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and they're going to lead us in a quick closing chorus.
Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So good. You are so good. And God, thank you for the opportunity to be used by you, to be an ambassador for you, to a world that needs you. We love you. We thank you. Use us, Father. Use us to reach our one for you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. Remember, you're, you got a one too. No matter where you're at, I know there are people that listen and are a part of this from all over the world and all over our country. Find your one and let God use you to make a difference in them because we're all in God's family. We're all a part of this together. And I know that God has great things for you as well. So listen, for all of you, I love you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. We'll have our meeting here in just a little bit. But let's spend some time fellowshipping, and then we'll come back together. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.